Destinations Beyond Expectations is powered by Group Experience. Visit groupexperience.com to learn how to build your travel tribe. Hello, this is Stevie G, and you are listening to DBE, the podcast designed for students of travel. Make sure to hit the follow or subscribe button wherever you're listening, whether that be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or any other platform. Go check out Destinations Beyond Expectations on Facebook and Instagram, and don't forget about dbetravel.com, which is the official website for the show. At dbetravel.com, you'll find the episode library, some fun blogs, a link to support the show on Patreon, and so much more. Dublin is Ireland's largest and most well-known city, with plenty of historic sites and one-of-a-kind attractions. Plenty of tourists end up visiting Dublin and truly enjoying their experience. Is an international trip to the Emerald Isle something you've thought about? Well, Nina from the Nomadic Bean Travel Blog is here to talk through a recent trip she took to Dublin that included plenty of time exploring the city, but also some interesting day trips as well. Our conversation today covers Nina's Exploring Ireland, Dublin and Beyond blog post, which details her eight-day Dublin and Beyond itinerary. This is a two-part episode, so today we'll chat about Nina's first four days, and next week we'll get into the second half of her trip. Okay, let's get to my interview with Nina, where we'll be discussing days one through four of Nina's Dublin and day trips adventure. Nina, welcome back to Destinations Beyond Expectations. So great to have you on the show again. How's how's life? How are things? Yeah, thanks for having me again. This is um, very exciting. Things have been good. Got a little bit of travel in since we spoke last, so I have some stuff to talk about, which is cool. Yeah, things have been great. Awesome. I mean, yes, you have gotten some travel in, and today we're going to be covering your Dublin trip. Um, along with some other great areas in Ireland that you got to visit. And the inspiration for this episode stems from that amazing trip, like I said, that you took recently. I know this is one of those trips that actually took years to happen because of COVID curveballs, so to speak. But give us a little background on this trip. Why did you pick Ireland as a travel destination? And how good did it feel to finally go on that trip? So Ireland was actually supposed to be a stopover for a bigger trip that my friend Doug and I had planned in 2020, we were doing like a little backpacking tour in Europe and I'm a neurotic type. So I like to be in Europe a few days before the tour starts. So we figured Dublin, the the flights were pretty cheap and we both had never been there. So we're like, Oh, we'll spend a night or two in Dublin and then go. And then obviously everything fell apart and we just, you know, over the two years, we're watching all the travel restrictions. And we were both like, after a few months, and maybe even a year, we were like, you know what, let's just focus on going to Dublin and going to Ireland, because it's going to be so much easier to follow one set of rules, like for one country, rather than eight countries and try to do our backpacking trip again, like, let's put that on hold until, you know, things are a little more stable. So Dublin, it was and Going there just felt so good because it was like we had this stuff planned for two years and we just had to watch our itinerary and not act on it. So it was fun. That's cool. Yeah, Dublin it was. And today's episode follows your Exploring Ireland, Dublin and Beyond blog, which details your eight day journey in Ireland and listeners can find your blog in the show notes. So Nina, let's dive into how you spent your time in Ireland, starting with day number one. 
Your trip kicks off in Dublin, and I love how you phrase it because you write, we started our trip in the only way that felt right, the Guinness Storehouse. I've actually been in the Guinness Storehouse as well, and when I went through a lot of the same experiences that you did, I really loved it, including the Gravity Bar and learning how to pour the perfect pint at the Guinness Academy. And I really enjoyed the whole experience. A ton of people would say that this is a must-do for tourists. Um, so, Nino, can you describe what the Guinness Storehouse is and then tell us a little bit about some of the things that you did or learned about there? Yeah, absolutely. So the Guinness Storehouse is the home of Guinness, which is, you know, Ireland's beer for, I don't know, for lack of a better word. It's just, it's what they're known for. I mean, it is their beer, but I feel like when you think of Ireland, like you think of a Guinness, like it goes hand in hand. So we were like, let's start there. So we signed up for the self-guided experience with add-ons for the Gravity Bar and the Guinness Academy. So the self-guided part is like the tour is interesting. You can learn the history and like all about um, how the beer is made and like just see different exhibits and they have like areas where you can like smell like as the process is happening and they have little tasting areas. So it's really cool, but it's all self-guided. So if you're not going to stop and read or stop and participate, like you're not really going to get anything out of that part. So just like take it slow, go through there. Um, So we did just that kind of read through the process of how it was made and it's multiple floors, the whole storehouse. So we just took like one floor at a time. And then the Guinness Academy, like you said, like you get to learn to pour your perfect pint. So you get to learn like the six steps in pouring the perfect Guinness, which is actually like a little harder than you would think because you think just pull the nozzle and pour. But because it's one of the only beers made with nitrogen, if not the only beer, like there's extra steps to take. So that was interesting and super fun. And you got to drink it after, which made it even better. And it was my first time ever having a Guinness. So I thought that was pretty cool that I like got to experience that in Ireland in the Guinness storehouse of all places. They have like a bunch of restaurants and places to eat there. So we ate lunch there and then we went up to the gravity bar, which a drink is included in your ticket if you buy certain packages. So we got ourselves a Guinness and walked around up there and the gravity bar has I don't want to say 360 degree views of the city, but like pretty much 360 degree views of the city. Like it's really cool just to see the city from above because there's not many other places throughout Dublin where you can see it from that vantage point. So it's, it's a neat spot. And it sounds like you had a pretty good experience there at the Guinness storehouse. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Nice. So after a few hours at the Guinness storehouse, you went back to your hotel in the temple bar area to rest for a little as your jet lag set in. But you know, Temple Bar is an area of Dublin that I think is worth talking about because it's very well known and has tons to do in terms of like nightlife, restaurants, that sort of thing. So talk a little bit about what the Temple Bar District is and what visitors can do there. Yes. Yeah, so the Temple Bar District is like the main downtown of Dublin, I would say. It's the top tourist spot to be, and it's all centered around the famous temple bar um which is not the oldest bar not i don't even think one of it might be one of the oldest but it's not the oldest 
but it's a really pretty place. It's like a bright red building on a corner. It's got ivy growing all over it. So it's a really pretty spot. Um, drinks there are a little expensive. So if you want to have a drink there, just be ready for that. But there are a bunch of other bars and restaurants surrounding it, which makes it, you know, a great spot to stay if you're staying right in Dublin because you don't really have to go far if you're looking for a drink or something to eat. Um, the one thing they can get very loud because it is so touristy, but you know, it's all part of the experience in the temple bar district. Absolutely. And for dinner on that day, you were looking for some traditional Irish fare and it sounds like you found some at a restaurant called Quays. Tell us about your dinner and, and like what Quays is and talk a little bit about, uh, what authentic Irish food really is. Yeah. So since this was our first night, we were like, we need to have authentic Irish food. Where can we go? So we were looking it up and this place Quays came up. We were like, oh, perfect. We looked at the menu. It had great reviews. We got there and neither one of us ordered what you would think of as traditional Irish food, which is like, you know, stews, a lot of meats and vegetables and like a shepherd's pie, something like that. Like I got like a grilled chicken Caesar salad or something ridiculous, but I will say the food there was amazing, even though we didn't have your traditional Irish for dinner. Um, for dessert, we got Bailey's ice cream, which I thought was pretty interesting and pretty Irish. So that kind of made up for the authentic Irish meal that we didn't have. But yeah, Quays is definitely a good spot to visit in the Temple Bar District. Two. So on day number two, you made your way north to Northern Ireland. Nina, talk about your drive and some of the scenic views that can be found between Dublin and Northern Ireland. Yeah, so going to Northern Ireland from Dublin, you are on the highway a lot. Um, so it's not like as green as you would picture it if you were like looking up photos of Ireland. Like this, that's not it. But once you get closer to Northern Ireland, you start to see like more interesting spots. It's like one of the towns that you drive through, Ballymena, is actually where Liam Neeson grew up. So even though you're not stopping there and it's not like a scenic spot, it's like something pretty cool to see and like cool to drive through. They don't have a sign or anything that says that, which I think is absolutely crazy because wouldn't you want your claim to fame, you know? <laughs> right. I would. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, um, you pass a few castles, which is really cool. And then you also um, can head up to Giant's Causeway, which is like one of the biggest attractions and tourist spots in Northern Ireland. And one of the myths around Giant's Causeway is that it was built by this guy named Finn McCool. And there's this whole story, I won't get into it, it's pretty long. Um, That could probably be an episode in itself. But... (laughs) While you're driving there, one of the cliffs on the side of the road it actually was carved out by nature. Like, this was not man-made at all. And it looks like a man's face yelling. So it lines up very perfectly with the story. And it's just, it's beautiful views. And then, like, on top of it, you get, like, this fun twist with it. So that's really awesome. And it is probably my favorite spot visiting. So it's, it's something, like, you you don't want to leave off your itinerary when you're making one. 
That's pretty cool. And another thing I know about Northern Ireland is that it has a special connection with Game of Thrones. Can you tell us a little bit about that connection? And what did you get to see and learn about when it comes to Game of Thrones uh, during your adventure in Northern Ireland? Yeah, so Northern Ireland wasn't supposed to be the filming location for Game of Thrones. It was supposed to be in Scotland, but it turned out Scotland was a little too expensive. So the Northern Ireland government decided to capitalize on this. And they offered HBO Northern Ireland for pretty cheap. And it was a huge tax write-off like based on the contract, but it was just for that first season. But then it worked out really well because the, since the show was such a ex- success, they couldn't move the location because they had already filmed the whole season there. And the Northern Ireland government got nine seasons of revenue out of HBO. So it was a huge move on their part, which I think is really interesting because you just don't think about the background of this kind of stuff. But um, yeah, they have one of the castles that we passed on the way up that I was thinking about earlier when I said you see castles, it's called Dunless Castle. And it was used for, I never watched a show, so I don't remember the exact persons but it was used for somebody's castle but it's so run down and there was so much cgi used that most people don't recognize it but it's there and it was used um and then the king's road in one of the seasons was filmed at the dark hedges which is just one of the coolest spots i think you can see it's just a bunch of giant trees like outlining this driveway if you've seen the show you know it's like just a really unique place and it looks like a royal way like it it was used appropriately in the show for sure and then yeah there was a town that they wanted to use the town to film so they had to kick all these people out i think it was called balantoy was the town so hbo bought a yacht and basically housed all of these residents of balantoy out on this boat for I think six weeks while they filmed Game of Thrones throughout this whole town. That's cool, especially since so many people tune into, you know, Game of Thrones. It's it's neat that you got to see that. And I know you probably wish you spent more time in Northern Ireland and yeah. we're about to pivot out. Um, but before we do, I guess, what else can you share with listeners about, you know, tips for visiting Northern Ireland or something about your experience that, that stood out there? Yeah, so like I said, Giant's Causeway, like, big asterisk on that definitely a place to see there's also a spot that's really cool that it's um a viewpoint of the Karakareed bridge which is a bridge connecting the mainland to this little island it was a sheep herders island and when you're at this viewpoint not only can you see this really cool rope bridge from above but you can also see three countries in one spot so you have a viewpoint of scotland on a clear day northern ireland and Ireland, the Republic of Ireland. So it's just a unique little spot to go to. It's pretty cool. So after Northern Ireland, you made the trek back to Dublin and capped your day off with what you called the best meal on your trip at a place called Gallagher's Boxty House. What did you get there and what made Gallagher's Boxty House stand out to you? Gallagher's was so good. We actually went twice. So the ambiance was really nice. It was like a cozy setting. The wait staff was all really like pleasant and the service was good. 
And then we got the food and it was just out of this world. Everything was well cooked, well seasoned, had a lot of flavor. And I think it was more so too, like I had heard before going to Ireland, the food wasn't the best. So it's like I had these like pretty low expectations. Then I was just blown out of the water by like how good the food actually was. So I had ordered um, vegan dumplings, which are like these little gnocchi with sweet potatoes and other vegetables and like the spicy sauce. And it was just, yeah, like I said, flavorful and delicious. And they made um, for dessert, they had a Rocky Road brownie, which you can't beat that in my opinion. It was just like a brownie covered in marshmallows and walnuts and too good. So day three started pretty early for you as you booked a morning tour to explore Trinity College and check out the Book of Kells. What's the significance of Trinity College and the Book of Kells? And what was your tour like? Yes. So Trinity College is Ireland's oldest university. It was founded in 1592 by Queen Elizabeth. Um, Coincidentally, women were not allowed to go to this university, even though it was founded by a woman. Um, And it was only for Protestant youth. It wasn't open for Catholics to attend until 1793, which I also think is kind of interesting because when you think of Ireland and you think of Trinity College, I feel like most people think it is a Catholic college, Um, but it actually started out Protestant. And then women were finally admitted only in 1904, which I think is very interesting because that is... That's recent. So it's got a lot of history there, but it's it's a beautiful campus and you can tour around pretty much the whole thing outside of where they house the Book of Kells for free. But the Book of Kells is a Christian illuminated manuscript that holds the Gospels from the New Testament. So basically it's just a big, bright, colorful book and it's a huge tourist attraction. And I'm going to be blunt And it might be an unpopular opinion, but it is so underwhelming. And I don't understand why it's a huge tourist spot. It's cool to see, but to wait in lines is kind of crazy. Thankfully, our tour was at like 8 a.m. It was a skip the line pass. So we got to go in first, see it and move on. So if I had to wait in line, I'd be a little upset. But it was worth seeing that there was no line. Do you think it's one of those things that fills up? Like if you book it later in the day, there would be a line? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like they had the ropes set up of like where the line would normally be. Yeah, it's it didn't look pretty. So after your tour, you popped over to Fleet Street for lunch at a restaurant called Elephant and Castle. Tell me about lunch. Yeah, so Elephant and Castle is like this little chic restaurant right on Fleet Street, which Fleet Street is the main road of the Temple Bar District. So it's, it's a good go-to spot. It was close to the hotel. I got myself a veggie burger that was probably the size of my head. So it was good portions, good food. They knew how to do common, like they knew how to pair food well. So like the sauce they put with the burger was like really unique, but like it fit well. So I just thought it was a, it's a good place for some, some unique, but delicious food. And then they made their own ginger ale, which I thought was interesting because I've never had homemade soda before that was a fun little quirk 
Yeah, and then after your lunch there on day three, your next stop was at another iconic spot for tourists, especially those that really enjoy spirits, because you did a tour of the Jameson Distillery. Uh, describe your tour of the Jameson Distillery and what you learned there. Yeah, so we went to the Jameson Distillery on Bow Street. Um, we had our tour guide was Niall, and I have to point out his name because by some chance of the universe, if he hears this, he needs to know how amazing he was. <laughs> Jameson does the tours right. Like out of all of the tours we did, they were definitely the most, they put the most effort into their tours. So Niall's enthusiastic about his job. Like he's not somebody who is just there to make a paycheck. He's somebody who cares. He's somebody who cares about the brand, who loves the history behind it. And it's, they take you into this one room and they have this, huge table with all of these knickknacks all over and each one if you like if he would point to it like the screen would change and, and sounds would emerge and they really told the story without just sitting there being like oh jameson was founded and blah, 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 by this like it was interesting and it made you like want to sit through the history part and not just be like all right where's the drinks like bring me the drinks after they go through the history they take you into a room to go through like a how it's made process and you get to smell each stage of the barley, which is pretty cool. And then you get to do the tasting. They teach you the appropriate way to taste whiskey, which is not my favorite drink or spirit of choice, but they weren't terrible. They were, they were pretty good. They give you a true experience. It's not just a tour. And I really like that it's not like a self-guided through the history like the Guinness factory, uh, Guinness storehouse was. It's it's personable and it's exciting. So definitely sounds like something you'd recommend, obviously, to, to someone in Dublin checking out Dublin. Oh, absolutely. So for dinner on day number three, you made the walk to an area called Kevin Street and grabbed food at a restaurant called The Landmark. I know you really enjoyed your dinner there, but tell us more about Kevin Street and The Landmark. Yeah, so Kevin Street is about a 15-20 minute walk from where we stayed, um, which isn't a lot, in my opinion. Uh, We had the doorman of our hotel tell us that it was a waste of time to go down there, and we didn't want to go there and to stay on Fleet Street the whole time and go to all these tourist spots. But if you want to like step out of the city for a meal and see like where locals go, I feel like the landmark is a good spot to do that because it's just local people from Dublin having a beer, chatting it up. Like it's, it's not overwhelmingly loud. There's no like typical music playing in the tourist areas. They play music that they think people around the world like. So you get the same five songs over and over again. But at the landmark, it was a little more traditional and just a different experience from being on Fleet Street and in the Temple Bar District. Day four. So jumping to day number four, the day starts with a tour of Kilmainham Gull, which is a prison or sorry, which was a prison from the 1700s turned into a museum. This sounds like a really cool stop, especially for someone who loves history. Can you give us a run-through of your tour of Kilmainham Gull? Yeah, so this was something, to be honest, I had no interest in doing at first. This was my friend Doug picked it, and I was like, all right, let's go. It's one of the coolest things you can do. 
in Dublin. I think if you're a history buff, um, I know I am. So I thought this was really interesting. Um, in my head, it was just a basic prison. I, I didn't care why would I want to see that. But this prison housed pretty much most of the IRA, like the Irish Republican Army, during all the like civil wars that went on through in Ireland in the 17, 1800s. They wanted to make it a reformative type prison and they changed the way things were and they remodeled the whole prison. But then because of the wars that were happening, the civil wars that were happening, it just became so overrun and it was a prison filled with women, children, men, like just shoved into cells together and just absolute craziness. And some of the cells too that had like high officials of the IRA, like you'd see they were treated well. There was a fireplace in a cell, which I think is really wild because you would think if you're putting this person in prison, why would you want to be comforting them? But, you know, it's all politics and you got to have the right people on your side when things have to come to an end. So it was, it was interesting to see the tiny cells where, you know, everyone was put together versus the luxurious ones that the head people got. And then the main area of the prison actually has been used for a few filming locations. Um, I think the Italian job was one of them. So if you, if you watch that movie in the prison scene, that is Kilmainham. So it's also a famous spot, not only just a historical spot. Certainly an interesting stop, probably something that, you know, a history buff would have to have to see if they're in Dublin. And another thing you actually got to do that day was a hop on hop off bus tour of Dublin, which is a great way to see Dublin or, or really like any city. Would you recommend the hop on hop off bus tour to anyone visiting Dublin? And then what was your bus tour like? Yeah, absolutely. So funny enough, Kilmainham is actually a stop on the hop on hop off tour. But the day we were there, they were skipping that stop. So thankfully, we had already done it. So it didn't mind. But it made me realize that sometimes if you're looking to go somewhere and using the hop on hop off as a transportation, just like be wary of that. But other than that, I am a huge proponent of the hop on hop off. I think it's one of the cheapest and best ways to see a city. For our experience in Dublin, since we had seen a few things already, we weren't really using it as a source of transportation. And we were kind of exhausted from the day before. So we used it as a way to see the city that for the parts that we hadn't seen and sit down for two hours. So it was kind of we didn't want to just go back and sleep the whole time. So it was a good way to see the city without much effort. And we got to see some things that weren't on our itinerary. So I definitely would recommend doing a hop on hop off. That's a really good point. I've never ever thought of it, but it makes so much sense. It's the perfect thing to do. If you've kind of expended a lot of energy or maybe you're experiencing jet lag, you kind of just sit on the bus and take in the city. Dinner for you today was at a place called The Shack. And I want to ask you about that because your meal sounded absolutely delicious. How was the shack? So the shack was amazing. It was the play. It was the restaurant right next door to the temple bar. So when we first got there, our waitress was like, are you sure you want to sit outside? Cause they didn't have any tables inside. And we're like, yeah, of course. Like, that's fine. Why do we care? And then we learned real quick, really quick. It gets rowdy out of outside of the temple bar, but it was almost like dinner in a show. So it was worth it, in my opinion, to sit outside if you don't mind the noise. 
you get to see some uh, some interesting characters. But uh, I had ordered whiskey chicken from the shack, and it was phenomenal. Like I think second to Gallagher's Boxy House. So another place to check out on Fleet Street for sure. And then after dinner, you probably got to see some more interesting characters up close in person because you decided to go out in the Temple Bar nightlife and experience that. So just tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so our goal for the night was to find traditional Irish music. We wanted, you know, something that wasn't on the radio. We wanted to hear anything Irish. And we the best thing we could find was an Irish cover band of popular songs. We went to this place called Badass Bar, and it was a great spot. I would definitely recommend going there. It's kind of tiny, but it has, like, very Irish pub vibes, as you would expect, and the music was good. Drinks were reasonably priced. I didn't feel like I was getting banged over the head for a drink, but the interesting thing about the nightlife in the Temple Bar District, because it's so touristy, like I mentioned before, they don't have that like traditional Irish music happening. You don't hear local bands. You're just hearing DJs playing. I heard Take Me Home Country Roads <laughs> seven times a day. No exaggeration. I heard Jolene five times a day. Like they're just playing like these giant songs that everyone around the world knows and will sing karaoke to. Well, that does it for part one. A big DBE thank you to Nina for joining me on this episode. Nina will, of course, be back on next week's episode where we'll cover the second half of her trip to Ireland. I definitely encourage everyone to scroll down in the show notes to learn more about the Nomadic Neen blog and where to give Nomadic Neen a follow on social media. I'd love if you could visit groupexperience.com to learn how to build your travel tribe. And if you guys have a quick second, it would mean a lot to me if you could follow Destinations Beyond Expectations on social media. DBE is on Facebook and Instagram. If you like the show, go ahead and hit that subscribe or follow button on Spotify or wherever you are listening. Oh, and if you can, rating and reviewing on Apple Podcasts is so incredibly helpful to growing this show. If you want to hear me talk about more destinations, follow Group Travel Odyssey on Facebook or subscribe to Group Travel Odyssey on YouTube. Every Thursday, I'm joined by colleagues in the travel industry on a show called Destination Dispatch, where we learn all about destinations and the opportunities they hold for groups. The show is a live stream and we go live every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern. So be sure to follow Group Travel Odyssey to tune in. Well, that is all I've got for this week. Thanks for listening to this episode. Thanks for telling a friend about DBE. Have a great rest of your day and I will talk to you soon.